Hey, let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. We'll start off there this morning, Matthew chapter 10. And tonight, um, I guess you could call it sort of a vision night. Not that we're all going to sit here and have different visions, right? There's no 3D glasses under your chairs or anything like that. But uh, just to think of, okay, 2021, what does the Lord have for us? What has the Lord called uh, me to for this year? What has the Lord called uh, the pastors to? And, and that's a great way to spend the end of your year is just asking the Lord, hey, God, what do you have for me this year? Lord, where are you trying to grow me in this year, right? Um, in, in life, with goal setting, with jobs, with, with getting gr- good grades, with shooting. If you have no target, if you have no goal, you're going to hit that every time. But you're going to not really be going anywhere, right? You're just going to be meandering, as the Bible says. But if now you have a target, if you have a goal, you're going to be able to see, hey, am I really hitting this? Or am I not? And that's why it's so good as we pray, Lord, what's, what are you calling us to for 2021? As you have that written down somewhere, as you have that maybe in your phone, on your calendar, you're setting aside time throughout the day to be obedient to what you see the Lord is calling you to, then you can see, Lord, am, am I hitting the mark? Lord, am I hitting the target? Or God, am I just meandering in life? Am I just being tossed by the winds, by the waves? Or, Lord, am I on task? Do, do I know what you have for me, Lord? Do I have goals? Do I have dreams? Do I have a hope? Again, God, he tells Habakkuk, okay, get the vision that God has given you and then write it down so anyone and everyone can see it and then they can run with it. So not only for us as a church so that we'd be on the same page, but even for you personally, be praying. If you're a dad here, you're a mom here, be praying for the family. Lord, what are you trying to grow us in as a family? Do you want us to take a mission trip together as a family? Do you want us to dive in serving more as a family? Should we go help out at Miami Rescue Mission as a family? Should we start going to prayer meeting as a family, right? Whatever it may be that we would say, Lord, what, what do you have for us? And Lord, how can I be obedient to it? But in Matthew chapter 10... Everything's okay, don't worry. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, it tells us, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my namesake as a testimony to them. And to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now, brother will deliver a brother to death. And a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. 
A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he should be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And just meditating today on, man, the season that we're in, what does 2021 really have for us? Uh, This is just the scriptures that I was thinking of, how much more we have to be in touch with the Lord and filled with the Spirit. Because we're being faced with different challenges and different situations each and every day. That if we're honest, we wouldn't have been in a year ago. Two years ago, we would have never even thought it, right? The situations that we're in because of COVID, because of the racism, because of the government, because of the politics. We find ourselves in certain situations where you're dealing with someone who genuinely wants to know or just someone who genuinely doesn't know. And then sometimes you're dealing in a situation with someone that thinks they know it all, right? And that's why we need to be filled with the Spirit to say, okay, Lord, how do I answer this person? Lord, is this someone that genuinely cares? Is this really an opportunity to share the gospel? Or Lord, is this the swine you speak of that I shouldn't be throwing my pearls before? Again, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be in the Word. And then the truth of today that there's going to be division even within our own homes and our families because of what we believe. Family, have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost? That perhaps because you believe the Bible is literal, is the truth of the world and of the universe, your own family may not want to eat with you anymore. They may not want to spend time with you anymore. The word here says it's going to get to the point where they're going to turn you in to the officers because of what you believe. Are we ready for that? Have we counted that cost? Or within our minds, do we not realize that perhaps family is more important than God? Or we think family and God, it's the same thing. But again, search the scriptures and tell me if that's the way we should be living or if we're saying, no, Lord, You're number one. You're number one. And there's reasons why you prophesy about this. There's reasons why you talk about this. And then it tells us in verse 24 and 25, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Did the Pharisees have a lot of nice things to say about Jesus? Did the world, did the Romans have a lot of just sweet things to say about Jesus? No, they said atrocities to him. They questioned him, his parents, right? They basically said he was son of Satan, that he was demonic, that his power came from the demons. This is a man who's healing the sick. This is a man who's giving free food to 5,000 people at a time. And yet they said, you're demonically influenced. They said, man, this guy, he's a problem. He's not good. So if that was Jesus Christ, family, at a certain point, the way we live, the way that we're following God's word, people, 
are going to say some not so nice things about you. And are we okay with that? I know I've mentioned it before. I hope I don't sound like a broken record. But 10, 20 years ago, the church got consumed with looking as cool as the world. The church had to look as cool as the world. And if we looked as cool as the world, we thought, duh, they're going to come into church. Because we look just like the world, right? That's when many churches had the concerts, had the fog machines, the strobe lights, right? The music, rock concerts. And they thought, this is how we're going to win the world over. Fast forward 10, 20 years. Can we say, hey, that totally worked, right? That experiment, that experiment was great. It didn't work whatsoever, right? Now for us today, the next sort of thing I believe that is really trying to influence the church It's a let's show the world that we're as smart as they are and that we're as empathetic as they are. And if they realize that we feel empathy the same way they do, and if they realize we're as smart as they are, of course they'll come into church. Of course they'll come in and see who Jesus is. And I believe there's many believers that are sort of blurring the lines of Scripture in order to show, hey, I'm as smart as you, world. I'm as empathetic as you are. And we should know that our empathy, our love goes greater than the love of this world. Because agape love can only come from God. And this world does not have a selfless love, even though they would like to tell you that's what they have. In fact, God's word says that in the end of days, they will agape their own darkness. They will have a selfless love for sin and darkness. So there's going to be certain times where you're going to have to stand for righteousness and you may be understood, you may be hated, you may be looked at as a bigot or some dummy over there if you only were as smart as I was. You may be looked at as a monster. How could you say that? You say that you're of Jesus, you should love everyone and welcome everyone. Again, that we would be biblical in our lives and in our mindset. If the Pharisees were not necessarily welcomed by Jesus, if Jesus wasn't empathetic enough for them and intelligent enough for them, family, we're never going to be smart enough or empathetic enough, right? So for us to just be biblical and live biblical lives and knowing being biblical, sometimes our family will hate us, the world will hate us, and that we'd be okay with that. Because, right, the disciple is not above his teacher, And if our teacher, who was perfect, our teacher was a lot better than we are, right? If he was perfect and he went through all that he went through, that we would be prepared and ready for it. And then, right, verse 27 and 28, it it continues to remind us of these things. Hopefully, we're not just bummed out and now afraid for the rest of the week going to Nochebuena. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 27 through 31, it tells us, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Again, Jesus is telling us, don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of man and what man can take away from you. Because at the end of the day, the worst man can take from you 
is your life. But if, again, we're biblical, if we believe the Bible is actual truth, then what we all here believe is that this life is a vapor. It's a quick here and gone, and that our real lives, eternity, is going to start after this life. So then we should have nothing to fear. Are we going to be afraid? Certainly. But we should not let that have dominion over us. I shouldn't drive our decisions. And again, that's a great marker for, hey, am I making decisions based in holiness or decisions that are going to lead to sin? My decisions, are they based on the fear and respect of God or are they based on the fear and respect of men? That's a great sort of thermometer and way to see, okay, this decision that I'm making, is it because someone's manipulating me? I'm afraid of what they're going to think. I'm, gonna, I'm afraid of X, Y, or Z. Or, man, I'm making this decision because I'm afraid of what God thinks of this. I'm afraid of this decision because I don't know if I'm really being obedient to God and Scripture as I'm about to do X, Y, or Z. And then verse 32 and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, I've never seen this verse come up for like the verse of the day, right? You verse, like you get these great scriptures, like what's the verse of today? A man's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoa, right? What's going on here, right? I've never seen that verse on someone's refrigerator, right? It's tough scripture. It's tough scripture. It's hard scripture. But as we love Jesus and follow him, there's going to be division in the house at times. Again, that our focus would be on verse 32 and 33. Am I confessing the Lord before men or I'm just concerned about the people around me that now I'm holding that all back? I don't want to confess him because I'm afraid of the people in my family, the people at job, people at work. And because of that fear, I will not confess the Lord. we got to be so careful with that. But, um, yeah, that's just today what I was thinking on, what I was chewing on. But for the year, the verse for the year, uh, for our church, it's Matthew 28, verse 19. You could turn there if you'd like. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. If you remember the verse for 2019, it was that we would have that discipline, right? That godly discipline, that discipline towards holiness. That was our verse for this last year. And with COVID, a lot of times I was reminded of that, right? Man, am I going to stay disciplined with the biblical things? Am I going to stay disciplined with the spiritual things? Or now is that out the window because we're faced with this, that, or the third. But in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, verse 19 and 20, it tells us, Go therefore 
and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And throughout this year, I hope that we're growing in three specific aspects. Again, it's easy to track where you're at and where you're going when you make those goals as specific as possible. So three things, prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. Prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. It's been said that if you're feeling really great about yourself and your spiritual life, Take a peek at your prayer life, and then that should really give you an idea of where you are at with the Lord. I haven't ever heard anyone ever, ever say, my prayer life is like the best. It's perfect, right? My prayer life, there's no way it could get any better. If we're honest, for many of us, our prayer life is one of the areas that's most neglected in our daily life and in our spiritual life. Yeah, we know for Jesus... How often did he go away to pray? How often did he go up to the mountains to pray? How often did he get away from the disciples? He got away from the multitudes. And he said, hey, man, I got to go pray. He was about to be faced with the toughest situation in his life, going to the cross. And what did he decide to do? He literally ended a party. He ended the Passover meal. He ended a party. And he said, okay, guys, I got to go pray, right? Imagine, you would look at your friends weird. Noche, when that's going on? And someone says, hey, I got to cut out early. I need to go out and pray. Dude, it's noche buena, man. What are you talking about, right? It's our party. It's our fest. And that's what Jesus did, the Passover. It's one of their top feasts, one of their top family get-togethers. And Jesus said, okay, we got to go. Let's go pray, right? It was very important for him. Then we look at evangelism, right? Are we sharing the gospel with others? Are we keeping right, this best secret just all to ourselves? We don't want anyone else to know or we're too fearful to let others know. We'll look at that a little bit more. And then discipleship, right? What does that mean? What does that look like? Am I being discipled? Am I discipling someone else? Or like we talked about, am I keeping the best secret to myself? Am I also just... Keeping church all about me. That when I go into a church, all I think of is me. And when I walk out of the church, all I think of is me. Or am I entering a church and saying, man, who, who needs friendship here, right? Who here needs just a hug? Who here, man, they need prayer. They need someone to invite them to McDonald's afterwards. And that we would grow in discipleship. But sort of breaking down Matthew 28, verse 19, a couple key words to look at. The first one I can think of, it's Go. It's the very first thing. You need to go. It's a word of action, right? And a word of movement. And for us to make disciples, you need action and movement. You can't just be sitting here and saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make disciples here in church, right? No, we need to go. We need to go out. We need to be mission-minded everywhere we go saying, Lord, are you going to open a door for me to share the gospel with someone? Lord, are you going to open the door for me to pray with someone, to talk with someone, right? And now we go, and what is it that we're doing? We're making disciples of just Hispanics, of just our same age group, of just our same circle of friends. All nations, all people groups, 
all economic groups, making, preaching the gospel to everyone and anyone. I think it's in Mark where it says, preach the gospel to all creatures, right? It's like, do I talk to my cat about Jesus, right? Is, Lord, is that what you're asking me to do here? Maybe it's a good way to practice, right? Just sharing the gospel, right, with, with mittens over there on the side, right? And it's a good way to practice, right? Sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel to our creatures. Then it tells us to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the work that God is doing in our hearts, we're willing and we want people to see it on the outside. That's the whole point of that ceremony of baptism is, man, I'm so excited for what the Lord is doing in my heart. I want everyone to see it. And then after that, do we just let them go? Do we leave them alone? No, it says, verse 20, to teach them that there needs to be teaching ongoing. It's not that you just get saved and then you're just thrown out to the wolves never to be heard from or seen again. But then now you're receiving teaching. And what is the teaching about? The words which Jesus has commanded. If you're hearing teachings on things that aren't in the Bible, hey, it may be great, it may be awesome, but it's not going to help you grow spiritually. It may help you grow in other areas of life, but if you're wanting to grow spiritually and wanting to grow in eternal things, the teachings which you must be listening to and observing have to be biblical, have to be the words of Jesus, Jesus' commands. And are we just supposed to hear it? No, we are to observe it. We are to do them. We're to be obedient to them. And then the encouragement at the end, hey, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This may seem like a tall task, right? Just the word go, you hear that, and you're freaking out already, right? That, hey, Jesus is with us. He gives us the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, to strengthen us and to fill us to do all the different things that he's commanding us to do. So that first topic, prayer. Practical ways how we're trying to deal with it and address it. And then, man, some great scriptures. So uh, we used to do this at 67th. Some of you don't even know what 67th means or what it is. But, hey, we used to do this at 67th. And we're going to be having prayer before the services. So at 8 a.m. to 8.45 a.m., we'll be having prayer before the morning services on Sunday morning. And then on Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.15, we'll be having prayer before the Wednesday night service. So that's a great way if you're saying, hey, I got 15 minutes before church. Let me go do something that's going to take a bunch of time and I'm going to end up running late. No, let me just show up early and I'll just pray for a little while. So just opening the door, giving us more opportunity to pray. I know you guys know of the Sunday night prayer meeting, the 6 p.m. prayer meeting. And, man, just trying to make a greater just importance, influence there, trying to put more resources towards our Sunday night prayer meeting. So we're going to be having worship once again before the prayer meetings. We're going to have children's ministry available. I know for a lot of moms, a lot of families, it's hard to come to prayer meetings because your seven-month-old doesn't really agree with the prayer all that time or they're saying amen all the time, right? You don't know what's going on. So we're going to have children's ministry available for the little ones. And then prayer is going to look a little different. Might be small groups, might be just the church body at large. But, man, I encourage you to come on out, check it out, and just be praying for us. I want to be a new wineskin. I don't want to be an old wineskin. So, Lord, what, what's going to help us grow in these areas? Is it prayer at 5 a.m.? Does that help some people before they go to work? Does that not take away from time with the family? Then the only excuse is I just wanted more sleep, right? 
Lord, what, what are you trying to do within us and within our hearts? Just being open to the Lord, not trying to create change just for the sake of change, but not wanting to say, Lord, I'm so locked into what I've always done. Lord, I'm not willing that you would change me or what, what I've always done, right? So we go to 1 John chapter 5. And in 1 John chapter 5, Verse 14 and 15, it tells us, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In other words, if we're praying prayers according to God's will, he's going to hear them. He's going to do them. He's going to answer them. That's why it's so important. If maybe you're here and saying, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Pray the Bible. Pray the scriptures in the Bible. That's going to be biblical prayers. That's going to be according to God's will. Right? That we would just be praying things within God's word. In Mark chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, you could just write that down. But the disciples, they were having a difficult time in ministry. They weren't able to cast out a demon out of someone. And they asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And what did Jesus reply? This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And in Ephesians chapter 6, here we see the armor of God, right? Some of the young boys' favorite scripture, right? The armor of God. We think of military preparing for battle. But at the end of all the armor, at the end of all of our gear that he tells us about, he emphasizes one important thing. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 Right? He tells us to take all the different armor of God in verse 13 that we would be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. But in verse 16 and 17 it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Again, even if we have all the armor of God, it tells us the way we end it is by praying. Praying always with all prayer and all supplication in the Spirit. Just that we would grow in prayer, right? As we went through James chapter 5, right, it told us if you're sick and going through a difficult time, pray. If you're going through a great and awesome season in life, sing songs of worship to the Lord. That in every season we're going through, hey, we should be bringing it to the Lord. But many of us, we're hurting right now. We look at the news and we're hurting. What's the first thing we should do? Complain about it on Facebook. No, that's not the first thing you should do. Make a meme about it on Facebook. No, that's not the first thing you should do, right? First thing we should be doing, complaining to my group of friends. No, it's praying. 
It's praying. It's crying out to God. God, I see all of these things. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem fair. Crying out to God. Now we turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and evangelism. How can we grow in evangelism? How do we do evangelism, right? 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 15 through 17, it tells us, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Right? It's another verse you never see on a refrigerator, right? But hey, evangelism. Quick poll here, right? Quick poll here. How many of you, you got saved, and after that you got on fire with the Lord at a concert or at a crusade or at a big special event. Anybody here, that's how you got saved? A handful of us here, that's good. That's good. How many of us, you got saved because someone knocked on your door and gave you a track and you prayed and you got saved and you're on fire for the Lord ever since that? Anyone here? Awesome. We got two, two and a half. All right, got two. That's good. How many of you got saved because a friend or a family member brought the gospel to you and shared it with you? Anybody here like that? Numbers don't lie, guys. Numbers don't lie, unless people fudge the numbers. But hey, hopefully this is real, right? Nobody's messing with the numbers. The way evangelism works is by talking with our friends and our family members. That's the way evangelism works. You guys proved it. You guys just told all of us that's the way it works. So for us, how can we grow in evangelism? The very first thing to do, it's to pray, right? Going back to the first thing. Ah, Zach, more prayer. Yeah, that's the first thing. It's to pray. It's to be praying for people. Be praying for the harvest, right? God's word tells us that people, their eyes are blinded in the darkness. They can't see the truth. They can't see what's really going out there. So what we need to pray is, Lord, would you open their eyes? Lord, would you open their eyes? Lord, would you open their eyes? Lord, would you soften their hearts? Lord, would you allow the gospel to reach them, right? We need to be in prayer. The next thing we need to do is to talk, right? We've heard these sayings, and they're good sayings, right? Sometimes the best way to share the gospel is no words, and when necessary, use words, right? Share the gospel. I butchered that quote big time, right? Share the gospel and when necessary, use words. I think that's what it is. We've heard that saying. It's a great saying and it's an important saying. But that saying does not mean never use words to share the gospel, right? we got to be careful with that. We need both the actions and the words. Because just because you're living right, like James, uh, like uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 just told us, that they see you and now they're praising your conduct in Christ, those evildoers are now ashamed they got to know why. you got to give them the why. Who changed your life? Did you always live like this? Did you always work like this? Did you always love like this? Did you always care like this? Or was there a day 
that everything changed. We got to talk. We got to be willing to use words. Another thing to do in evangelism, it's to love. Have you loved on the person? Have you loved on the person? Right? We don't want to take any more polls for today. We've raised our hands enough in church. But man, how many of us, we got saved because the person, every time they saw us, would only talk to us about the gospel, would only tell us we're going to hell, would only tell us John 3.16, would only tell us Romans Road. Or how many of those people loved us, cared about us, fed us, met us in the hospital, showed the love of Christ, but they also gave us the gospel. If all we're doing is talking to people till we're blue in the face, they're going to be blue in the face and the inside, right? So we need to love. We need to pray. We need to use words. We need to communicate with them. But we need to love on them. We need to love on them. The next thing kind of goes hand in hand is we need to actually care about them. It's not that you care about them until you share the gospel and then they say no and you're like, I don't care about that guy anymore. No, we're Christians. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. You should care about them even if they haven't gotten saved yet. Even if they haven't turned their lives over to the Lord, you should still care about them and their lives and their hobbies and the different things going on in their lives. Got to care about them. So pray for people, love on people. And another thing, right, First Peter chapter 3 is to make sure that in our lives there's nothing that we would be ashamed of. Right? We got to be careful with that. Now, that's not an excuse to not share the gospel. That's a reason to address those things that you're ashamed of. You get that? It's not a reason to say, okay, I can't share the gospel because in my life there's certain areas that I'm ashamed of. No, that's not what Jesus says, right? We want to be biblical. So being biblical, what should we do? Address those things that we're ashamed of. Address those things that an unbeliever would say, you and me? We're the same. What are you talking about, Jesus in heaven? We both party the same way. We're both freaked out about the news the same way. We're both panicking about this the same way. You and me, we're the same. You don't want that. You want the gospel. You want the salt and light. Man, blowing people away that they would ask, man, why are you different? What is the Lord doing in your heart? And in this season of a lot of turmoil, they're going to see. They're going to see those people who are calm. And at peace, and those who are like the rest of the world. In Matthew chapter 9, you could just write this one down. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38. He said, Jesus speaking to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God, where's this harvest? I don't see it anywhere, right? The question for us is, are we actually going out? Are we actually going out and testing? Lord, where is this harvest? I'm looking for it. I'm working in it, right? But we know within God's word that some people, they're sowing the seed. Some people, they're bearing out the rocks. Some people, they're watering it. Some people, they're being able to pick the fruit. So there's different people for each season in the life of an unbeliever and the life of a believer. Uh, we could turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. So be the last one on evangelism, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. It tells us, I charge you therefore before God 
and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come, I think we're almost there, right? Or we're there already. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Verse 5, that's a key verse for us to look at here. Be watchful, be paying attention, be ready. Don't be lulled to sleep with the different vices and lusts of this life. Endure afflictions. Are we able to endure afflictions? It's biblical, right? I don't like that in the Bible, right? But it tells us endure inflictions. We shouldn't just give up. We shouldn't curse God. We shouldn't say, I'm not coming to church anymore. I give up on this whole thing because I got afflicted. No, it tells us to endure these afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. How often do we say, I just don't have the gift of evangelism. I just don't have that gift, right? I see Billy Graham, I see Greg Laurie, they sneeze and 10 people get saved. I don't, I don't have that gift, right? You got to do the work. Got to put in the work. We have to share the gospel, right? How are they going to hear if no one's telling them? So for us to be watchful, be paying attention to what's going on. Don't have your head just buried in your phone. Don't just have your head buried in the news. There are people going to hell all around you. And we can be watchful in the things we want to be watchful and not be paying attention to the countless souls around us who are in need. Endure those afflictions. Don't give up. Don't give up. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry, right? And Paul, it's, he gives us the reason why. Verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Guys, do you believe Jesus is coming back at any moment? Do you believe we're in the fourth quarter? Do you believe there's two minutes left on the clock? Are we living like it? Are we living like it? Or are we, I don't know how many of you guys watch football or I don't know how many Atlanta Falcons fans there are here, but man, it seems like they blow every game, right? Lately, after that one Super Bowl, they just blow every game. They're up like 35 to 10, third quarter, ah, just let it off the gas. They lose the game, right? Is that who you want to be? Is that like your favorite team? Why, why do you like the Falcons? Oh, they blow every lead. I love it. I love watching every game, right? No, may we be pressing in. If we're saying it's the end of the game, there's a few minutes left, let's put it all out there for the Lord. Now's not the time to be holding back. I got to leave some energy for the after party, after the game, right? I don't know what's going to happen afterwards. No, man, put it all out there for the Lord. 
that we would be sharing the gospel and just practice. Maybe for you, you're so timid that all what you have to start off with, right, is giving one church flyer up to a person a month, right? Maybe that's how you start. And maybe you literally start by like throwing it at someone and running away from them, right? Hey, at least, at least you started, right? They pick it up off the floor and maybe they read it. And that's the way you start. For some of us, you're good having conversations with people. So, man, now we bring that to the Lord. And we can learn. We can grow in these areas, right? You ask people, hey, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about the Bible? Right? If you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? What do you think about all that's going on? Have those conversations with people. And finally, discipleship, right? Discipleship. What does that mean? What does that look like? I'm working on a, a project at the house, and it's, it really made me think of discipleship. So I'm there. I got all my saws out. got a table saw, a miter saw, and then Levi says he wants to help me. And I'm good with that. He's seven years old. He can come and help me. But discipleship is not just letting him do whatever he wants to do or giving him the hard task. All right, son, I want you to take that circular saw and go cut that four by four, right? You guys would call, right, children and family services on me if that's how it start. Discipleship starts with how? Hey, son, this is a dry vac. There's the sawdust. Start sucking up the sawdust, Right? Got to start with the small things. And for us with little kids, we think that's cute and we think that's awesome. But sometimes we come to church and we tell the pastor, give me that circular saw. How do I run the circular saw, right? How can I do that? And they say, okay, hey, come. Let's go clean the bathroom. No, no, no. I am above that. Just show me the circular saw, right? Hey, would you come, would you come to a prayer meeting? Prayer meeting? Nah, that's for the spiritual people. You don't know who I am, right? Wait, what? Right? That's how we are sometimes, right? Discipleship, it starts from the bottom. Discipleship, it's something that's active, right? Even how Jesus said, go, therefore, discipleship is something that's active. It can look different in different people, but it usually starts with the basics, and then it builds up over time. Just like most of our jobs, most of our hobbies, most of the things that we love, you didn't just start off doing the hard tasks. You started off in the smaller things. But discipleship, it has its hearts rooted in humility. It has its heart rooted in humility, right? Think of Philippians chapter 2 and all the pictures pointing to Jesus and the humility that he showed. That's how discipleship starts. It has to really, it has a relationship. It has an ongoing friendship that is two-sided, And many times it's something that just happens naturally. You're around, you're in the area, you're making yourself available, and more and more discipleship happens. How can we grow in those things? I forgot about the practical with evangelism. But man, we as a church, we're going to have some evangelism classes taking place. Maybe you're those that you're just afraid to even share. So how can I do that? How can I practice that? The bookstore, they're going to have a small section of books just on evangelism. How can you share your faith? Why do we believe what we believe? Why can't we rely on it? Why is that truth? Different things like that. We're even praying about maybe once a month or twice a month having different activities here at the church that we can partake in and we can also be inviting unbelieving friends and family members, whether it's, you know, sports outing or food and fellowship. And that way we can just grow in evangelism. But in discipleship, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 14. 
Luke 14, verse, where should we start? Verse 27, it tells us, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war goes against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes at him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Discipleship, right? First and foremost, discipleship starts with a friendship and relationship with Jesus Christ. And at the heart of that friendship and relationship with Jesus Christ is saying, Jesus, I love you more than anything else. That's the basis there. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? Have you counted the cost to see, Lord, is that really the truth? Are there things I love more than you? Is it my family? Is it my job, my car, this hobby? Is it, is it the fame? Is it my social media? What is it? And that's how it really starts. If there are certain things in life that are sinful... And the Bible says that are sinful. You can't really begin to just jump into discipleship right away because those things need to be addressed. You need to be willing to lay down those things first and foremost, and then you can continue in that path and that lifestyle of discipleship. Discipleship, again, it's something that's active. We don't use that word discipleship that often. I don't know if at your job they say, hey, let's join and start a discipleship here at our business, right? A good word for that is, um, man, now I had the word and I completely blanked out, right? Uh, but it happens a lot in trades where you're apprenticeship. That's the word, apprenticeship. And if you're jumping into a trade, usually you're in an apprenticeship and now you're following someone around and you're following them around and all the things that they do. And it starts off, hey, pick up the sawdust. Take out the garbage, and slowly but surely, it continues to grow. But that's how you learn a new trade, and hopefully as you stick around and you're doing it, one day now you're taking an apprentice under your own wing, and now you're teaching them all the things that you've been taught. And that's something that should naturally be happening within the body of Christ. The older ladies ministering to the younger ladies. The older men ministering to the younger men. Guys, are we willing to put ourselves out there, right? So the older men here, have you taken a younger man under your wing? Young men, have you reached out, not just with your words, but by your actions, counting the cost and saying, hey, would you let me just follow you around and work, right? That they're, about to, they're pulling out a Phillips box of screws and you already got the Phillips screwdriver ready for them. You're showing, you're proving, hey, I want to learn. I want to learn about this thing. In life, see, we have such a blessing within the body of Christ that we don't have to make, we're going to make mistakes, but we don't have to make needless mistakes. Why? There's other people that have made those needless mistakes for us. And if we're just wise enough, 
we learn from them, and then we say, you know what? I saw that scar on their head. I don't want that same scar. So could you tell me again how you got there? Oh, so you had a bad relationship with a girl, and it took you away from the Lord, and then you got involved with her, and you had a kid out of wedlock, and now you're paying this, and you're doing that, and it's put the friction. Okay, I want nothing to do with that. So you know what? I'm going to now do these things in my life. Okay, you went to life, you went to school, they got you taking about a bunch of student loans out in a school in Wisconsin to learn underwater basket weaving. Okay, I don't want to do that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your cue and you have how much in student loans? I don't want that much in student loans. So that's wisdom. But that happens, the older generation saying, I'm willing to put myself out there. And not every apprentice is perfect, right? Star Wars taught us that, right? Not every apprentice is perfect, right? So sometimes we pour out our lives into one person at church, and they messed up, and we say, you know what? Forget it. I'm done. I'm over. I'm over loving people. I'm over sharing my life with people, and I'm just going to seclude myself, and I'll just come into church late and leave early, and that's it. I don't want to have to deal with people anymore. Thank Jesus that's not what he did with me, right? Thank the Lord that's not what he did with us. He continues to take chances on us and take chances within the body of Christ. The question is, are we willing to take that chance? To be loved on, to spend time with people, to be able to be a father to other kids, to be a son to other parents, right? That's, to me, again, one of the amazing things about the body of Christ is some of you are here and, man, your parents... Don't really love you. Don't really care about you. But what God has done is within the church, there's other godly men and women here that the Lord has supplied them so they can be that love and relationship and guidance of parents. And there's some of you parents here that your kids, it hurts, it stings. They don't love you the way they love you. They don't care about you the way they care about you. But the Lord, he's provided some young men and women here that their parents don't love them, their parents don't care about them, and they're looking around saying, man, I wish I had a mom or dad in my life. I wish I had a grandparent in my life. I'll never forget uh, Joel. One of, all the kids wanted him to be his, their, uh, his, their granddad, right? But I remember Caden uh, from John and Melissa, and he came to Joel one day and he said, would you be my granddad? Would you be my grandpa, Right? So he taught him how to play guitar. He would take him fishing. He invested in his life. And we, I think we would all say at a young age, I wish I had more people investing in my life. But then are we turning that around and saying, you know what? I'm going to start investing in other people's lives. I'm going to start calling the church and seeing how I can help. I'm going to call the pastors and say, hey, who needs to, I don't know if we could go to the hospital, but who needs ministry, right? Who needs a helping hand? Who needs help? And man, that's, that's discipleship. That's what it looks like. It's going through God's word, but so much of discipleship, it's not a classroom. It's everyday life. Like Jesus and the disciples, right? We go back to the Bible. Jesus and the disciples. He was rabbi. He was teacher. But was it all classroom? Right? In the Bible, do we say, okay, Peter, okay, John, turn to X, Y, or Z, and I'll pull out your notebooks. I want you to write your dissertation. No. It was walking around and, hey, go ask this guy for a donkey. Okay, master, have you talked with him? No, not at all, but just tell him, I want it, I need it, and it'll be good. All right, master, let's go. Let's follow this, right? Master, there's 5,000 people here. They're hungry. Would you want to feed them? You guys go find some food. 
Master, we got no money. What do we do, right? Go look around. We got this little kid. He's got his Lunchables. What do we do, right? That's, that's discipleship. That's discipleship. So for us to be willing to grow in these things and for us to pray in our own personal lives with the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want me to grow this year? How do you want my family to grow this year? Lord, you know, Lord, I really believe you're coming soon. Am I holding back? Am I going backwards in my spiritual life? Or, Lord, am I going to finish strong? So, hey, if the worship team can come up, if the pastors can come up, and, hey, let's stand up, and uh, we'll close in song. Uh, so, Lord, we, we love you, God. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that you don't give up on us, Lord. You don't get rid of us. You don't trade us in, Lord. Uh, Father, thank you that you're so gracious and kind and merciful to us, Lord. And, Lord, now we just cry out for the Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord. We pray that you'd give us boldness, Lord, over this uh, holiday season with friends and family members, with coworkers, Lord, that we'd be willing to share the gospel, Lord. Or perhaps for some of us, Lord, the boldness is to cut off sin, Lord, to cut off relationships and bad habits, Lord. We pray that you would fill us to do the same, Lord. And uh, Lord, again, we pray for those who are hurting and broken in this season, Lord. How often many people, they deal with more depression than ever and suicidal thoughts more than ever during the holiday season, God. And Lord, we pray if there's anyone like that tonight, Lord, that they would come up, that they would ask for prayer, Lord. That, that they would be real and vulnerable, Lord, knowing that many of us go through the same thing, God. I just pray more than ever we would really grow into the family of God that you've called us to be, Lord. Not just being us for and no more, Lord, but that we would love one another, but that we'd also be going out and finding more family members, Lord. That we'd be going out and finding more people to be adopted into this incredible family, Lord. So again, God, be with us. Be with the church all over the world, Lord, the missionaries that are going through, Lord, unimaginable difficulties. We pray that you'd strengthen them during the season, Lord. And uh, we just love you. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.